And we are here. Oh, okay, okay. She was, she was. You know, it's at the roof of the mouth. Last you know, time I was like, no, she wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm ready today. All right. Well, it's going to be pretty, pretty cool today. But, you know, Jolyn, how are you doing? Yo, I'm over it. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. I'm over it. Um, over everything and everybody. Okay. You know, I'm I'm thinking about like you know possibly creating a come up series like drips, uh, like a come up series drip edition. What do you think? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think that that um, looks very artistic. I dig it. I like it. Yeah. It has like a little '90s vibe too. We got some formulas in here. We got some Pythagorean yeah, theorems. Like Pythagorean theorem. I like it. So, oh wow, that's a tongue twister. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get into it. You ready? Because we got a lot yep. to talk about. All right, mm -hmm. so what's good, everybody? I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, good friend, and all things galactic. And on top of that, rocking those wonderful red shades or those red glasses though that you know she should come out with her own glasses line but that's for a whole nother other and on top of that give it up for the wonderful it's jill ngc in the place to be over everybody and every ting and ting and ting and ting all right all right all right yeah. you see that see that energy that is here i am here for it <laughs> And welcome to the Come Up series, but you know we got to do it a little bit special tonight because of the fact that, you know, this is, you know, we're moving closer to some of our last few Thursday episodes. So, you know, we got to, you know. <laughs> Anyways, if you remember that, uh, go ahead and write where, or go ahead and type that in the chat. Where did that, like, sound come from? Um, but anyways... This is going to be a school of investing episode. And you know that when we go into school of investing, then you know that we definitely try to go very deep into our bag. So pay attention, follow along, because I hope that you have your notes ready. But here's some other things that you need to do. Go ahead and like this video, because we think that you're going to like it. Now, here's the thing. Let's play a little game with each other. I like to play a little game. Let's go ahead and like the video first. And then if you don't like it, remove your like. Uh, uh. And on top of that, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that way you can be a part of, the, like, you know, pretty much the Come Up Series fam where you can check out some of the content and which that we have done. It's a lot of content that we've done, really. Like, we've done a lot of content. And so, trust me, you will never go empty without with the Come Up Series because there's always new content that's coming out. And if you want to be in the know just like Cousin Kwame was, same then go ahead and hit that bell so that way you can be a part of the Notification Squad, a.k.a. the Cool Kids Club. So, Joe Lynn, you know, we got to get some stuff out of the way. And you know what? I want to join you in team, you know, glasses, you know, put on my, my shade focals right now. Okay. Because okay. this market is acting really shady right now, so I feel like it's going to make me come up out of my element into a whole different character. But uh, how, do, you know, how are these markets looking? Yo, wait, let me shout out. Oh, let me shout out Reggie P because he was here at 5.30 on the dot. So let the record to reflect. Let it reflect. Yo, okay. So <clears throat> let me let me just take a sip, y'all. Taking a sip. All right. <clears throat> what does it, cousins? Let's see what's up with this Dow. So the Dow was down negative 300. 13.26 points. So now we are currently at 34,715.39 points. S&P 500 was negative 50.03 points, which brings us to a level of 4,482.73 points. The NASDAQ did not change um, at the close. So we got 14,154.02 points. And the VIX is heating up at 25.59 points. Uh, the 10-year Treasury note uh, came down a little bit. Um, it is now at 1.771%. And if we head on over to sector performance, um, I don't know about you. I think it was my app, but my sectors kept bouncing around. Yeah, they're um, and so then I like, what is going on? Danger, danger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... Um, 
it looked like it ended with real estate, uh, technology and materials, and then finished with consumer staples, uh, communication services and industrials. Um, we may need to fact check that again, because I again, got you, I, got my I got your back, I got your back. I got you right. Let me go ahead and give it a quick little look over. So, Wait, did I say tech materials? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's something going on with their site right now where it's definitely yeah. down. So we'll have to get back to everybody on that one. Yeah, it kept on my end. It kept bouncing around. That was the last that I saw. So. Um, yeah, we'll just have to take a look back at that. Um, and hopefully that did, in, that did not impact the pick list because for the pick list, um, I have C-Web coming in at 8.71 percentage points to the upside um, and C-Limited coming up to uh, 1.33 uh, percentage points and MasterCard at 0.91 percentage points. Then for the bottom feeders, we have NVIDIA at negative 3.66 uh, percentage points, uh, EAT 3.95, and AMD was our last uh, pick that finished at the bottom at negative 4.97 points. So if you were waiting for entries, um, there was a lot going on today. There was, I saw opportunity, um, but honestly, Mark, I am waiting. I need this market to settle down before I even dip a toe in um, okay. at this rate. Well, hopefully um, today's episode kind of helps you with that. Mm. Hopefully, okay. hopefully it helps. So, yeah. We do have a couple of questions. Um, Let's go ahead. And I don't know it. how on on a topic they are today, but let's see. Let's um, hear the questions. Yeah, hold on, let me, let me pull them up one thing. All right. Um, okay, so here's a question just to keep in mind throughout the whole episode. Um, so the question is uh, more of a comment. It says, I keep learning and researching, but haven't deployed capital into the market because I always think that I'm not ready. How do I determine when I'm ready? So that's a question that is in the background of today's episode. Um, and I'll, I'll say this, a good way to know whether or not you're ready is if you're able to put together a solid thesis. And what you can do is you can run it as a test. If you run a test against your thesis and if your thesis has been right on maybe a few occasions, and especially if you're focusing on a long-term thesis, um, that sounds like you're pretty much ready to go. Like, you're ready. Okay. You know, I think the biggest so, thing is that we always bet against ourselves or we always want to be super duper hard on ourselves. You know, there's no, you can learn X amount as it pertains to learning about the market, but there's no mm -hmm. better learning outside of learning that part without essentially dipping your toe into the market and actually learning that way as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, scaling in and that case if you're uh, unsure might be helpful yeah and you can, paper, uh, you can paper trade you can you can paper trade or like you know put like certain investments in a test account so you're not really applying any actual funds there but again it's like to get over those nerves you'll never really get over all those nerves until you actually like just step into the market um and we have a new oh new wave of Presents that come in, I can tell by the questions that are being asked. So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new, shout yourself out and OG Kuzo show them some love in the chat. Yes. Um, here's a question. Um, in Wealth Ritual, dang, shots. Okay. In Wealth Rituals, you said oh. we don't hold the earnings. Um, can you explain this more? Do we get out, then get back in? Um, I actually responded to this um cousin um before the show, but I will just put it on the record and say that that was a lesson that I learned about with Amazon. Um, and the whole point of that, of saying that was um, when earnings are coming, you don't want to play earnings because it's a gamble. You don't know what's going to happen. 50% yep. it could go up, 50% it can go down. So why gamble? So you don't want to hold through earnings when your contract um, is about to expire. That's is really correct. what that means. Um, so, if you have enough time um, in your contract for recovery, then it's okay to hold through earnings um, because you know that you have enough time 
um, if a recovery, you know, needs to take place or you have enough time to make your profit and exit out when um, your trading plan tells you to. So that is why I said that in that episode, because, uh, uh, yeah, that was a lesson <laughs> that I had learned about Amazon. Well, with Amazon, but about earnings in general. Well, so. just remember in every elder, in every, every elder is a lesson. So every loss is a lesson because there's an elder. Mm. Um, let me see. Uh, Here is a question. What is the best time to exit a one-year option contract? Can we hold closer to expiration if it's up? Mark, this is a review question. Um, which <laughs> this is. Like is. But again, it's like you don't want to hold to the end. If you're up, then, you know, get out. I mean, don't be the last person at the party, like I've always said. Um, and on top of that, it gets more and more riskier as you get towards the closing of the expiration, it gets more volatile. Um, so it's best to essentially just, you know, take profit. You don't lose money taking profits. So the best thing is take profit and then essentially prepare yourself for the next position. And I tend to find as a simple rule of thumb, you're typically ready for your next trade when you, you're typically ready to get out when you know what your next trade is going to be that follows up. So when you already have that lined up, then you're kind of like ready and waiting to get into the next one. So essentially, it's like they kind of like run in tandem. Um, that's typically the best way to do it. Yeah, you got to be on your ABC game. Always be choosing. Okay, don't just sit there staying in the position and not knowing what your next move is. Like, always be choosing out here in the streets. All right. So um, how do you, let me see. Oh, here's a question. Any thoughts on Peloton um, puts put options for earnings? Honestly, I would stay away from Peloton. I mean, they're crazy. They like so many times, Mark. Yeah. There was so much volatility it halted. You might not be able to get out. I mean, I'm just saying this. Like, honestly, I, I'll tell you all a story. I remember a few years ago, I was trading a put against Nikola. And I was up, and then after a while, the put started to lose its value because of the fact that there was nobody there to buy it. So, mm -hmm. essentially, it's like, if you are up in your puts on Peloton, it may be time to exit stage right. But if you are, say, for example, looking to play puts, be very, very careful because this stock is now trading at, you know, pretty much below, I think, IP, IPO level prices. So. That's something that you may want to pay attention to, and especially with no products that are coming, that no products that are on the docket that they're that they're pulling off the market. Of course, they have their existing uh, client base, but we don't even know what's going to happen with them. So there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, sitting around that has a lot of questions that need to be answered. And so at this point in time, I would probably say that Peloton, whether call or put, is maybe one of those stocks that you may want to stay away from. But, you know, not a financial advisor, not certified. So, of course, just take everything that I say, especially when it comes to picking or trading with a huge grain of salt. Uh, yeah. Facts. All facts. All right. So, um, I think we can hold off. Let me see. Some of these. And here's the thing. I don't want people to say that, like, you know, things are, like, you know, like, this is the nail in the coffin for any stock because of the fact that just because they had a bad year or they're going through a bad phase, you know, the real thing you got to look at is you got to look at the fundamentals behind it. The reason why I had a huge, uh, like reading on like companies like Nikola was because of the fact that I really take the time to learn about what's happening within the EV space. And knowing that, you know, okay, hey, if my BS meter is running, then obviously there's a problem here. The thing that I said back in 2020 about Peloton and saying that, okay, hey, are its best years behind it or is it in front of them? Currently right now, the way that it looks is its best years are behind it. Unless, you know, again, the only thing that I could probably see as it pertains to right now is maybe an acquisition on the horizon, just like how we saw Tonal acquired or, uh, or Mirror acquired, I think it was. Um, and then on top of that, you're going to probably see even more acquisitions that are coming out because of the fact that when their valuations get readjusted, then they become very attractive to other maybe potentially publicly traded companies that are looking to add that asset or add that, that vertical integration into their existing line of business. So I would look towards like, for example, gyms 
or even apparel companies or folks that have a strong area within fitness. And the strong thing about fitness, the, the, the interesting thing about fitness is it's a very, very tough market because one, it's so oversaturated. Two, again, there's so many other, given that you have so many other players, and on top of that, it's like you're dealing with the psyche of the mind of your consumers. Not everybody is looking to ultimately get fit. They want to, but it doesn't mean that they're actually making the necessary actions to. And the troubling part with Peloton is the fact that they, they their price premiums of their product can ultimately spook uh, the consumer. Now, I'm probably sure that at sitting down with McKinsey Group, um, they're probably going to find some interesting strategies of how is it that they need to move forward. But as it pertains to right now, some things are just placed on the do not touch. Now, when I look at, and I know I'm going to address the, the big elephant in the room, when I look at ARC, there are times when XOK had its moments where it didn't look great, it didn't look like a parent, it didn't look like a parent at all. Um, mm -hmm. And those were the rough years, especially when we were going through the tough years with technology. So again, every company or every position has its moment in the sun, and then you just have to ask yourself, is the fundamentals that back it, do they really stand? If they don't, can adjustments be made? If the adjustments can't be made, then we have some trouble. Hmm. And that's a good that's a good point, Mark. Um what I remember um of episode, I don't know what episode it was, but it was an episode ago or so, um, when you were talking about, you know, pay attention to the earnings and growth and those valuations and seeing, you know, what matches up and if the narratives still hold. And we are seeing some narratives that look a little shaky shaky. Hmm. Yeah. Well, are we ready to get into some technical analysis? Yes. You know, I just love technical analysis. It's my favorite, favorite. Let's oh, go. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Wait, is that true? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, I, did I just get pulled for the Okie Duck? All right, here we go. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Technical Analysis 201, not 101. This is 201 because this is second year and ultimately in the second year, we go a little bit further in depth. So today's uh, class session is all about riding those waves. Now, if you're here as a year one student, that is okay because at the same token, there's always something to learn and I'm sure that you're gonna pick up some good stuff because we always make it interesting, but at the same token, entertaining too. All right. So let's get into it. So, of course, you know, we got to always break it down here at the Come Up Series School of Investing. The future is not something we enter. The future is something that we create. And that's something in which that we completely believe as it pertains to this day from day one and also into the future. All right. So let's talk about it. We're going to get into Elliott Waves today and, you know, discussing what are they? How do they work? How, uh, you know, how is it that you could possibly strategize the understanding and then we're going to hit the beach. How about that? That sounds okay. fun. Before we get into it, though, let's talk about a few things, though, because remember what we say, 98% of investors and traders lose 100% of their portfolio trading on just pure speculation over time. I just want to let that sit there for a second because then that way we can pause for the effect. <laughs> okay, so one of the interesting things that we see about Elliott Wave Theory is notice how, and of course I'm very intentional here, notice how we see the lines on the waves in which as you see that are going back and forth. You know, to some folks you'll see that, okay, hey, it's just one specific pattern. But then it's kind of interesting because as you notice, it retracts and it ultimately brings back another pattern. Now, another interesting thing that we don't, that a lot of folks don't know about Elliott Wave Theory was it was actually created in 1930. Now, it's very, very fitting that Elliott Wave Theory became an actual thing around the same time that we saw the end of the Roaring Twenties take place. So, I think the reason why we say that is because if you go back and if they had the opportunity to go back and look, the person that created Elliott Wave Theory, which, I mean, shout out to you, Mr. Elliott, though, that you may rest in peace, um, is that the fact is, is that he had an, an extended amount of data from the stock market to be able to look at it and see that, okay, hey, there are some patterns in which that we can see. So let's, let's get to the key points here to Elliott Wave Theory. 
The Elliott wave theory is a form of technical analysis, duh, that looks for recurrent, recurrent long-term price patterns related to persistent changes in investor sentiment and psychology. So who makes that up? We do. All of us as investors, whether we're active, passive, whatever you want to call us, essentially, we make up a part of that psychological and sentiment part. Now, each set of waves is nested within a larger set of waves that adhere to the same impulse or correct, uh, corrective pattern, which is described as a, uh, as a fractal approach to investing. Now, remember this image. I'm going to go back for a second. Now, remember this video that you see that's playing. Notice how you see a wave within a wave once you see the waves happen. It's kind of interesting. Who would have thought that you could actually learn from natural things? All right, so the theory identifies impulse waves that set up a pattern and corrective waves that oppose the larger trend. Okay? So let's look at an Elliott wave. Here is the basic model of Elliott wave. You have wave one, wave two, wave three, wave four, wave five. I mean, yes, he is not alive. He, this was created in 1930, so clearly he is no longer on amongst the land of the living. And then once we get to wave five, notice how we have wave A, wave B, wave C, and wave D. Now, we're going to get into that as we go through each step, because I'm actually going to break down each wave for you step by step. So wave one, this includes the changing of market opinion from bearish to bullish. So normally when you go from a bearish trend, your first trend that starts the wave is going to be wave one. It is often driven by a rebound from depressed prices and is the shortest of the rising impulse of waves. So it's very short term, but yet at the same token, it's the start. Basically, the bargain hunting has begun. Now, normally you see this because of the fact that you start sometimes seeing choppy markets where, you know, hypothetically, you can see that the market is up that, that day and then essentially it kind of like pulls back uh, or, you know, it's like it, it kind of looks like a trader's day in today's modern uh, stock markets where it's like, okay, hey, they, they get their pops during the day and then essentially as the market kind of wins on or goes into the close, they kind of sell off and take their profits. Um, and then essentially we're still in a volatile period. But at the same token, we're still building something. We're formulating a way for us to go uh, higher. Now let's look at wave two. Wave, true, wave two is naturally a retracement wave of, wa of wave one. Most if not all of the gains from wave one are erased because market participants have used this rally to sell their losing positions at slightly better prices. This wave often presents itself as the right shoulder of, of a head and shoulders, uh, and shoulders pattern. So if you think about it, if you ever have studied a head and shoulders pattern where you see on one side of, on the left side of a chart, where you see that it looks like a shoulder and then it goes down, where we kind of like say that we kind of like retraced back to those lows or we retested to those lows um that's the first part and then essentially we spike and then essentially that becomes the head and then we come back down and then after that we formulate another shoulder so then we have wave three now this is the longest and strongest of the impulse waves at least in the financial markets as most technical patterns have signaled the new trend and market participants now rush in to follow it. So during those first initial ones, you have the first initial folks that are like the, the, the brave folks, and then the folks that are like, okay, I see that we held this level at this retest in wave two, I'm gonna step in. So that's normally where your technical folks have now stepped in. And then wave three, you're starting to get an even bigger rush of folks where it's like, you know, uh, let's just say half of, or your early adopters or your early major adopters, they're now stepping into the market as it pertains to being buyers. So this is your first wave of buyers. Now, of course, we have wave four. Now, wave four is the consolidation phase of the advance. Its structure is also fairly complex, yielding many common continuation patterns such as triangles, which we'll get into in a little bit. This wave may never drop below the peak of wave one. So if we go back just a little bit and re-look at where the peak is in wave one, wave four will never come down to wave one. Just remember that. So now we have the final wave, which is wave five. Now wave five is the final stage of the advance 
and often shows a divergence with such technical indicators as cumulative volume and relative strength index. So meaning that we are very much so overbought. Um, essentially, the volume is also starting to maybe subside. So essentially, that's it. And this is typically the final, this is like typically the final folks of in whom we're set. They're like, okay, hey, I've seen that somebody has made money here. And or a lot of my friends have made money in the stock market. And ultimately, here's an opportunity for me to jump in. And ultimately, they, they tend to find themselves buying at, say, for example, a premium or buying at what we call the high. And don't worry, it happens to every single investor or trader out there, one way, shape, form, or fashion. No matter how great you are, no matter how long you've been in the market, it just happens. So, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, the waves. So that's it, right? You know, we go through these five waves and, you know, boom, done. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. Because there's a few other waves that we have to take a, we also have to take a look at. For example, now of course we have wave 5 which brings us all the way up to the to the top. But at the same token that we see a wave going to the top, we also have to respect those waves going down to the bottom. So, if we look at it, there are just a few more pieces that we got to look at, aka three more waves to really pay attention to. Now, there's a few more waves outside of C, like D and E, but we're gonna just stick to A, B, C for now. Now, at first, it, if A at first appears to be a normal correction to the rally, right? Elliot, Elliot Theory says that, that wave A will break down into five, not three subwaves. A market uh, move in wave five indicates a new dominant market direction. So, and then B, where we go from wave A to wave B, so we go back up, wave B is the bear market correction allowing a second chance for sellers to sell. So it's like you get that sudden adjacent pop, that sudden jolt of a pop, what we sometimes in the market call a dead cat bounce before there's potentially a little bit more pain ahead. And then essentially in, in wave C, typically breaks support in the peak of wave three, and then essentially uh, technical here, like pretty much here are the, were the indicators. They will confirm that the original rally is starting to roll over. Now, of course, let's just go back. So when we go to wave B and wave three, notice how they're exactly the same. They're pretty much, well, not exactly, but it's not no exact science, but notice how we see that essentially that there is a, there's a wave B and a wave three, and they're pretty much closely tied to the same levels. Now, we also have wave C, which will ultimately break that and then also break past wave four in some cases um, and essentially take us to another leg lower. And these things happen. So with that said, you know, honestly, let's let's go let's go a little bit further on this one, because, you know, when we look at it, the impulses are the waves that move the market in the direction of the trend. So they are relatively easy to recognize and follow a few basic rules. Like, here we go. Wave two never retraces 100% of wave one. And wave three always travels beyond, wave, travels beyond the end of wave one. So if you think about it, if you're in wave three, notice how wave three goes beyond the level of wave one. Wave four, never moves past the end of wave one. So which means, again, they never connect. And then wave three is never the shortest of the impulse subwaves within a larger impulse wave. So notice we have this long run here. And then at the same token from wave four to wave five, we also have a, a pretty decent run. But at the same time, it's not the same as going through wave from wave two to wave three. So those are just a few of the things in which that we can see. Okay, so, you know, that, that should be fairly simple, right? Okay. So let's get into it. Let's get some patterns here because I think there are some things in which that we can look at. And, you know, for some folks out there, you're probably starting to get a guess if you saw that the, the wave patterns you could probably see it in a lot of times it's, it's a little bit difficult especially when you're first getting started to spot it in um, like individual stocks 
And that's why a lot of folks tell you to focus on indices. Because when you look at indices, they tell you the overall trend and it's a lot easier to spot. And don't worry, we'll get to that in a second. So, but there's a few things in which that we look at. So like, for example, from here to A to B to C, we call these zigzags. They're easily recognizable, uh, three wave structures against the larger trend. And then we also have flats. So flats uh, also come in three waves, but are all, they're essentially sideways in nature. So it's like, we're kind of like trading sideways. We're, it's like, we're not going too high. We're not going too low. We're kind of like trading within a channel. And then, you know, triangles, which a lot of folks tend to focus on, like where you normally see people draw a trend from the top side to the, to the, like they follow across the trend and then also on the bottom side. Triangles are the familiar coiling pattern. So like where you see that we go through this long period of consolidation and essentially over a period of time and then after a while, boom, we pop. So for the, for the record though, triangles are familiar coiling patterns seen in other analysis, but the boundary lines can both uh, be contracting, uh, one contracting and one flat, or even both expanding. Now, as the impulse, as with impulse waves, as we normally see, corrective waves have several guidelines to follow zigzags and flats. May be linked together in double or triple patterns. Like as you guys can see here, we have three technical pattern. We have three patterns here. We have a zigzag up. We have it trading flat, and then we have a triangle. Um, so it could be in any type of combination, whether double or triple. Um, like complex patterns, though. Each is connected with a three-part X wave. So just keep that in mind. Um, flats may reach an intermediate extreme beyond, an beyond the impulse wave they are correcting. For example, in a rally, the second leg wave, so for example, in B, um, of a three-wave flat may actually set a new high. And we've seen that happen. Now, triangles usually are the final correction and therefore appear alone as a wave four or as the final part of the complex correction. The rule of alternation states this, that waves two and four have different types of corrective waves. If one is a sharp correction, the other is a flat correction. Just remember that. So if we see one that is essentially sharp, then the other one will probably come in as flat. Now, do you guys actually know one that actually has been kind of like trading as a flat correction and one that is traded as a steep uh, correction or a sharp correction? Very, very interesting. Okay, now I know I've said a lot. That's a lot to intake and I'm probably sure that you're gonna, that you're gonna go through and look at it from, all right, Mark, I need to digest this. But don't worry. So I just tell you guys this always. Seek wisdom, not knowledge. Knowledge is of the past. And this is one of the things in which that you've been granted. But the focus is wisdom. Wisdom is of the future. So what we are gaining here is the knowledge. But the focus here is, say, for example, uh, like, for example, the, the things in which that we will do and that we take this information. So I'm thinking, like, you know, what do you think? Should we check it out? Yeah. Okay. Well, before we do that, we always tell you this, before this presentation is over, we always tell you this, stick to the script. Um, because of the fact is, is that if you stick to the script, no matter what, even if you're going through a temporary slight correction, essentially long-term always wins out. And I think that if anything, if, if, if anything proved otherwise for folks who remember this in 2021, you realize long-term will always and forever win out over short-term. Um, and with the main focus, somebody very smart said, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. So just keep that in mind. So that has been the end of this presentation, but not the end of today's show. Because... I would be remiss, then if we didn't go to a few charts. Right? Oh, you're muted, so I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said let's apply the Elliott waves to these charts. <laughs> okay, let's do it. So, um, first things first, 
let's bring up a new presentation and let's study it, shall we? All right, so um, one of the interesting things that we look at, right, is like everybody always pays attention to the S&P 500, a.k.a. the SPY. Now, the SPY has always been there. It's, it's not going anywhere. But here's something to like if we look at it on a yearly base. So here's a year long chart of the SPY. And I'm going to remove some of these tools like, you know, the the, the moving averages and everything else. We're just going to look at it from its pure basics on this chart. So this is the S&P 500 ETF SPY over the past 12 months. So if we look at it, let's go back and look. So if you notice, we had, for example, we started in wave one. So wave one and then wave two. So and then essentially you know, we kind of like trade it up and then this would be considered wave three. So this line from here, really, oh, okay, are they going to let us be great? I'm going to show it on the screen. So from, uh, okay, all right, so I guess they don't want me to be great here tonight. So let's see, okay, there we go. So from, let's say, March of 2021, where we kind of bottomed out in the market all the way up to, let's say, September uh, 2nd of 2021. That was wave three. As you can see, the wave is a lot longer. And then, of course, we had in this wave, the next one to follow from wave, uh, from that wave is, okay, why is it not alive? Okay, I guess I have to drag it. All right, so wave th wave uh, three to four is here. Well, we kind of had that breakdown from uh, that September third all the way. I'll make some readjustments to let's say October fourth, and so now we were in wave four, and then from wave four to let's say wave five took us all the way up to let's say early part of this year at January fourth. And then now in January 4th, uh, that's, that's wave five. Now, here it comes. You guys ready for it? Check this out. Here comes some magic. Well, not really magic, but just data. So then from wave five, here goes wave A. <laughs> and that takes us all the way to, let's say, uh, January 10th. Then we have wave B, which takes us from January 10th. To, to January 13th and then we have wave C which takes us down to about uh, 443 at today's price now of course we closed up a little bit higher than where we once were but either way I'm just gonna trace it down to the lows and wish that we could see a wave C take place now interesting things in which that we see when we look at you know what takes place in, in at any point in time right for let's say a you know the the following waves that take place if you're looking at it from a triangular standpoint you're going to have say for example this moment in which that we go from wave c back up to like about a wave d and then come down just very oh so slightly to essentially now a wave e right so typically around here where we kind of like form a, like a higher high and a, and a lower high. Um, and then essentially after that, the market kind of like just goes on this process where we restart all the way over again, wave one. Now, the interesting thing about these waves is even a wave, like here's the other part where it gets like very, very interesting. Even within, say, for example, do you see that we have wave three here on our chart? Uh, from 2021 notice even within these we see even smaller waves taking place even a lot smaller taking place so that's pretty interesting um, and it never ceases to fail like there's always a wave within a wave so for example we could be in wave three but yet at the same token we could have wave one wave two wave three you know and and so on or wave a 
B, C, D, E. Now another one that we're going to show that's showing a different type of trend over a year-long span is Amazon. Now Amazon has already had its wave really take place back in, if I go back to probably about September. Now of course it got a little bit choppy thanks to its earnings and everything else. So, you know, of course that's ultimately how we see it. Um, so here we stand, if we look at it on, to make it simpler for folks, here we look at it and we see that, you can see that there's an extended period of time where we're in wave three for an Amazon. And then of course, another extended period of time here. So this was probably our wave three. And then essentially we kind of like traded choppy to wave five. And then it's just been oh so choppy and going through essentially a period of time of consolidation. And then it releases kind of like a bandit or like a rubber band and it pops. Now, has Amazon reached that point? No. But the interesting thing about it is Amazon has been trading still within the same range for quite an extended period of time. Kind of like what we saw from another company way back when, if we look at, say, for example, their chart and go back more so on a three-year basis, where they kind of like just traded within a range for an extended period of time, and then boom, pop. Now, of course, we also have to take into consideration this is just purely technical analysis. So this is purely just a simple technical analysis. Technical analysis does not account for, say, for example, any type of fiscal monetary policy. It doesn't account for any of the fundamental pieces. So, of course, you have to put it all together to essentially really start to see how it all really starts to form. But, you know, I would be remiss if, you know, now, of course, like I said, this is this is Amazon. And then again, here's Tesla. Now, interesting thing about here that we have for Tesla is look at the wave form pattern that we're seeing that is now starting to establish. So could this be A, B, C, D, E right here? So could we have reached E for Tesla? That is the major question in which that we could be possibly seeing on the horizon. So let's do a break, let's do a quick a quick breakdown of that. So from the top, here's here's wave five, here's wave A, B. Mark. Yes. Mark, when you say here, can you please say what sure. the level is? I'll go to the level. So I'll go to the level of where we were on on November 4th, which Tesla was trading at a high of let's say about twelve hundred and some change, twelve hundred and close to fifty. So on, on November 4th, and then that's wave five. Then we go to wave A, which brings us all the way down to November 15th of 2021 at about a price target of 985. Sorry, could you say that again? And then we go up to wave B, which again, wave B doesn't come all the way up to wave five. It's close, but it's not there. That's 1202. Then we come all the way down for our wave C, which is pretty much we even close some gaps here at 887 and or 885 or whatever you want to call it to be more specific and then essentially we are now at wave D which we come back to retest those highs at say for example January 3rd or January 4th which was at 1206 now notice not an exact science but within range and now we've mm -hmm. come down to like a level of wave E which is exactly at around 982.53 where we were at the lows and ultimately closed at 9.96. And here that is today of January 20th. So again, you can start to look at it and start to see trends and patterns and really start to put it all together. Hmm. And that is how you do it. Okay, well. That was very informative. Um, well, when, what are some best practices um, when it comes to looking at the chart? So let's say, you know, we're off the air and now people are, are they pawn the replay yep. and now they're going back. Yep. Um, so what's the first thing um, or like, some best practices for applying the Elliott waves theory. So again, 
in applying Elliott wave theory, essentially you got to be able to like be able to trace it back. And I would say the first things first to make it simpler on yourself, give yourself a 12 month timeline. Give yourself a 12 month mm -hmm. timeline so that way you can give yourself an, an extended period of, of space so that way you can start to like look for and spot the trends. Now, again, what you can start to do is look at like how the diagram starts up for Elliott wave and then essentially start to look for it in the chart. I always tell people to start with the index first and then once you've been able to master it on the index, then you should start being able to see it, say, for example, on, let's say, a on a longer on a on a shorter term chart or a, say, for example, on a company based chart. And the reason why I say that is because index are, indexes aren't as say for example choppy they deal on say for example on a long-term frame so which means mm -hmm. that they're not as quote-unquote volatile as an s p 500 is not as volatile as a tesla stock right but once you've been able to master or be you've been able to get better at being able to spot those trends and spot the elliott waves on the s p 500 then you'll be able to start looking at it and seeing it for tesla as well um and remember, not all Elliott waves for like look are going to be the exact same in timeline. So what you mm -hmm. may see for say for example a Amazon may look may be completely different for a Tesla, may be completely different for an Apple, which may be completely different for a Marriott or a Hilton or whatever company that you're looking at. So again, not all Elliott waves are created equal in the sense that every company is different, every index is different. Like one thing that a lot of folks didn't know was the Dow Jones Industrial was technically in, like close to correction long before the NASDAQ was. And if you look at the Russell 2000, ticker IYW, or yeah, I think it is, uh, I, IYW, you'll see that essentially that that has been kind of like trading within correction for an extended period of time within a channel. Um, of course, going a little bit lower in bear market territory. Um, mm -hmm. But then when you look at the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, they've just started their ascension down into those trends of the Elliott wave. And like I said, I think that we're in that wave in some cases, like, for example, if you were to look at the NASDAQ, you may see something completely different versus looking at, say, for example, the Dow Jones Industrial. And so, again, look to spot the trends, look to spot them. And then essentially from there, start putting that together as it pertains to it, it lining up with a thesis. One of the things in which that is playing, starting to play out for the thesis is, which is an early indicator is, look at the 10-year yield. The 10-year yield has been dropping ever since the moment that it kissed 1.9. Now, is that the end? Probably not. We could probably still see it kiss 2.0 or 2.25 before this year is out. But again, a lot of that unnecessary damage has been done. It has now been rejected. And I think that the last time I saw it, it was at 1.77. So, again, it's like, you know, that was a major factor for, say, for example, a lot of your growth stocks coming down because of, because of the fact of any potential retraction from, say, for example, potential rate hikes. Now there's going to be some things that need to be discussed on behalf of the Fed side because there's a lot of speculative, there's a lot of FUD here. The question is, are there three rate hikes? Are there four rate hikes? Are there five and six rate hikes? The market mm -hmm. doesn't know that. The market has been trying to price those in. And then on top of that, the market is thinking that there's going to be a 50 basis point rate hike. Well, what if there's only a 25 basis point rate hike? Well, how does the market react? So again, these all, all of these things put together only help strengthen what you've put together from a thesis side of technical analysis. And then tying it all together really gives you a bigger picture. Okay. Um, so, great. We have Elliott Wave Theories. We have, you said to start with the index first? Yeah, so start with and, the, so you can start with the SPY. Yep, you can start with the SPY. Okay, and then a 12, do that on a 12-month timeline. And then once you get good, sorry, I'm laughing at you. Uh, once you get good at that, then you can move to something a little more volatile with like a stock or, um, yeah, like just a, a stock by itself. Um, how would you say um, ETFs play in that? Are they, they would you play. look at that 
they play a role too. They definitely play a role too because they speak towards the exact sector. So that gives you a better picture where you can start using the Elliott waves to get a good look at the, at the actual sectors themselves. But I mean, even if they're non-sector ETFs, you can, I mean, Elliott waves work across the entire market. If it's a stock that's on the market, then you can probably apply Elliott wave theory to it. Well, I'm talking about as far as grasping, like getting better at it, you know, you start with um, the, you start with the macro first. You always start with yeah. things that are, are, that are macro, like, you know, you start with things that are macro and then you work your way down to things in which that are micro. And then once you've, like I said, once you are able to see it on a macro level, find something else. Like, for example, you can go from SPY to looking at sector-weighted ETFs, and then from sector ETFs, then you can start applying that theory towards the actual companies within that sector to kind of get a good gauge of where they're at. Yeah, and then when you get really good, then you can start looking at the Elliott Wave on, say, for example, other things like the volatility index, treasuries, those types of things. Okay, so that good. that's good. That provides a, a roadmap and a way to apply post-episode, y'all, um, what we all just went over here today. Okay, so um, that's good. Yeah. Now, tomorrow. Tomorrow, it's Friday. Yes. Many people, you know, don't like to hold throughout, you know, the over the weekend and the 21st is a major contract expiration day which we saw so, a lot of that get flooded today so a lot of those right. positions were sold today especially when if you notice we saw that mm -hmm. pop up to essentially recoup some of those recoups at least some of those losses to essentially sell off and then essentially mm -hmm. right at a specific time you just literally just saw it tank now of course there's other factors but again that's a major that's a major portion to it where a lot of the options that were, or or a lot of the positions that have an expiration for tomorrow's date, you you pretty much yeah. saw those liquidate today. Yes. Okay. So as we are looking um, at the market um, tomorrow and making you know plans, let's just say that there was a lot of people that got out um, for those twenty first expirations. Um, when we're looking. Um, at the market, what is a what is a simple game plan folks can have as they're um, you know applying what we learned over the past first you know episodes for this year? I mean, honestly, like honestly, they they really leads you towards like if you've been watching some of the episodes, it's like it's kind of been preparing you for what the landscape is, so that way you have a pure you can start putting together a solid thesis for this year. That's the first thing. So you, I would not recommend anybody to do anything without having some type of thesis or a strong thesis put together. Um, that's the first thing. Understanding the landscape and everything else um, greatly helps. Understanding where the sentiment is greatly helps. So those are the things were some of the initial episodes, some of the initial things that we discussed this, the earlier, like when the year first started. Then the next thing is, um, now you've kind of like got to see exactly where things come from on a technical basis um, and kind of like getting an idea as it pertains to outlook. Now it's like you can start putting together, now that you put together your thesis, now it's like this is the moment in which that you start looking at, you know, a lot of folks are going to be like trying to pinch for, you know, a few extra points here and there, and that's fine. But yet at the same token, it's never really an exact perfect science where essentially it's like, all right, well, this is the level and these are the levels in which that we can come to. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're going to stay there. It doesn't mean that we even have to go there. Um, so, you know, it, it's a multitude of things. It's just more so in the sense of have you put together your thesis? Do you have a trading plan? And have you put together a solid process for you to go forth and execute? If you have those things put in place, and really the market is giving you a brilliant entry point, especially mm -hmm. if you're looking at over a longer term trajectory of more than, let's say, you know, a day, a week, a month, three months, you know, really looking at it six months to two years down the road, you pretty much have a solid trajectory of understanding. Because here's the biggest thing, and that was one of the things that I, I, I didn't get to mention today. You know, if you think about it, there's about 177 million and maybe even more than that now since, you know, the demographics and everything else probably change over time.
but let's just say that there's about a hundred. If there's 366 million people that are probably in the United States, let's just say hypothetically that there's 177 people that are investors in the market. Yeah. Somehow, some way, investors in the market, whether they're actively investing, passively, or they just say, "Okay, hey, my 401k." Now, keep in mind that's not everybody making moves within the stock market. Like I want, I want people to understand that what you see happening is there are people that are managing a vast portion of that 177 million people population and which that they are probably making rotation making adjustments and everything else to the portfolio rebalancing the portfolio putting together a new plan for the portfolio as it pertains to its next growth over the next set of a timeline um, and those are considered your active managers, your money managers, and everything else. You also have a fixed income market that's even larger than the stock market itself. So again, you see a lot of things that are at work, and it's not to think that essentially that that's millions of people or billions of people that are literally active within the stock market because that's far from the truth. Yeah, and I also just want to, especially since we had so many um, I've noticed like a new wave of presents, new ones coming. I just want to encourage you all um, that, you know, we are pretty much, well, January is coming to a close. Like yep. we have a date left in January. Yep. And so even if you did not have your thesis um, or you're new or whatever, you were still thinking about it or whatever. Yeah. Like, do not be bound by these arbitrary, you know, calendar systems. You right. make your own. Like, today, you can start your year. So maybe your year starts, you know, January 31st or February 1st. And you're going from February 1st to of 2022 to February 1st of 2025. Whatever that is. Like, do not be bound or constrained by what what's before you like right. you this is your wealth journey so you're the expert of your portfolio so you make your rules and you make your training plan and you stick to your script Correct. so just you know again you know we have a lot of cousins um who are um og cousins and you know if you're just starting out you might feel way behind but again it's your journey yep. so i just want to remind you of that and it's also an interesting thing is like, you know, a lot of times when we like, I think the reason why people get like up in arms is because now they've, the knowledge is there and now they're trying to apply it and ultimately build wisdom from it. And the interesting thing that I typically notice is if your money was sitting there in a 401k and being managed and put into X amount of stocks or mutual funds or whatever it was, you wouldn't even care about what's happening in the market. You wouldn't even care that there's a correction. I mean, mm -hmm. that just happens. I mean, you know, it's like it's really the folks in whom which that are very much so active, whereas like they care about things on a day to day, week over week, month over month basis. Um, but if you have a long term trajectory thesis, that's pretty solid, as well as a long term trading plan. I mean, you know, you kind of like, you know, it's so funny how many people that I know that literally like trade long, like when they do their long term leaps, it never mm -hmm. ceases to fail. When they do their long-term leaps and they just set it and just forget it. And then they come, they literally legit forget. And then mm. they come back and be like, I forgot I had this. Um, oh, wow. And it was funny because it, it hit closer to home for me was my brother. My brother had a long-term leap in XOY. And mm -hmm. literally almost a whole year, like literally legit forgot. That's hilarious. <laughs> and then came back. Wanted and he wanted to purchase a car, and then ultimately realized that essentially that yo, these leaps that I just did here though, they can you know they 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 put in some work and now all of a sudden it's like boom I can I use this yeah. So again, it's like you know, you know it's very easy to get caught up into the woes of what's happening within the market. It's very easy to get caught up into like all the chatter and all the dial dialogue and everything else that's happening. The biggest thing is, is that essentially that's where it's like you get rid of a lot of that chatter when you start putting together your plan, your thesis, your process. Yeah. Well, it's about that time, 630 on the dot. Oh, wow. This is the second time in a row that we've done 630 on the dot. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. And for those that like the video, 
did we earn your like? Because if we did, let's keep it there. If you were like still a little bit skeptical and you were like, mm, let me see what he's got going on. Did we earn it? Um, and if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below because we would greatly appreciate it. And on top of that, the reason why we appreciate it is so that way your learning and your journey can go on and you can see exactly how much amazing content that there is available for you to gain and ultimately apply that as wisdom. Um, Y'all, keep learning, keep researching, because the more you learn, the more you earn. Until next time, I'm Mark Monroe. And I am Jolene GC in the place to be. And do not forget to tune in to, or excuse me, I was going to say Sector Sunday. <laughs> Supplemental Sundays this Sunday, clearly, because it's called Supplemental Sunday. So do not forget, 5 p.m. standard uh, Pacific Standard Time, and then 8 o'clock Eastern Time. We got, um, oh, I forgot the names. I know Lex is going to be there. Obviously, Tivo and AJ and Saeed. Saeed. All right. All right. Well, I, I know that it's going to be an amazing show and episode. So be sure to stay tuned and check it out on Sunday. Y'all. Oh. Yes. Wait, Mark, one more thing. And also, um, yes. second episode of Wealth Rituals Season 2 will be dropping on my birthday. Of my birthday. That's January 29th. It's a national day. There's probably a parade planned in your neighborhood. So stay tuned for those details. Just make sure Same you wear day a mask. Yes, wear a mask if you're going to the parade. There will be floats. <laughs> but yeah, that dropped. So just be ready for it. Is there anything else? No, that's it. If you could describe one word of the come up series, what would it be? We lit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a great weekend uh, and stay true to what we said. Keep learning. Keep researching. The more you learn, the more you earn. Peace, y'all.